How about those scrappy Pistons, Trista? Only down 13 of the Timberwolves. There you go. Let's Don't hate it. back for them. We got no, more blowouts need... tonight in the NBA. We need two more points for Jalen Duran. Two and a half more points. What's he at Three now? Points what, what, for yeah. 14. Oh, actually, no. I'm sweating Bogdanovich, too. I need Bogdanovich over 17 and a half. He's got 16 right now, so this is good. Oh, he's at 18. Ding, ding, ding. Just as I say, nice. he gets over it. Well, no bell here in the in the home studios, but ding, ding, ding. Bogdanovich goes over on that number. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Magic are only up seven on the Hawks. That's actually a close game. God, Milwaukee is getting their ass kicked right now. 80 to 48 to the Cavs. 80 to 48. Yeah, would not go ahead and take the Bucks on any line that you give to me. I think they've... Literally let go of the rope. Also, ding, ding, ding. UConn covers the six against Creighton. Creighton's understreet continues as well. And I am now, I've given it out. I just want to say, I've already given it out a lot. I gave it out at 20 to 1, 22 to 1. UConn to win it all. It's now, that value is gone. Those numbers are no longer available. They never will be available again. Uh, but tonight is the night. We talked about them a lot of college basketball last night with John Martin, but tonight is the night where I've decided fully to jump in. I have I have put a lot of units on UConn to win the whole thing. I think they're going to go back to back, eleven to one. Let's make this something I'm invested in for the rest of the season. You, I feel like, because I remember this conversation starting early last year, probably like the first to really jump on the UConn train. And I know you love that they have a crazy coach and Dan Hurley who makes crazy faces, but like you, you really have been sort of the captain, the president of the non-alum UConn, fa UConn fan base that's out there now, or fan club, I guess I, is probably the better word. Yeah, and I just think Donovan Klingon's really good. I think the whole roster mm -hmm. has shooting and athleticism and they all play really hard and they've just figured it out. And you see it when they play non-conference opponents, which is what's going to happen in the tournament. They beat the hell out of them, right? You saw yeah. six-point favorite uh, against Creighton, and they end up beating them 62-48. So very low-scoring game. Creighton obviously is a good defense. But I tell you what, UConn's finding their stride. I still think there's value there. And you're right. I think I was one of the first people on the train. You you definitely were. So, yeah, still 80-48. to 48. Uh, Cavs over Milwaukee. Remember, no Giannis in that. He does have a bruised shoulder, so he was out. Celtics up 87-69 on the Spurs. Knicks up 7-60-53 on the Rockets. Toronto's beating the hell out of Miami, too, 82-59. Uh, early, early right now for uh, Lakers, Mavs. 25-21 Lakers on top. Anthony Davis has 10 points, four rebounds, three assists already, while uh, Kyrie is scoreless has only taken one shot so far in the first quarter so very quiet game for him against LeBron where if you haven't seen it there's a big article on ESPN.com about the process and how the Lakers were trying to get Kyrie and you know what that was and it really didn't make any sense I think we I, I remember you and I talking about this plenty on the show we we're like how is this even gonna work like what are they gonna do they can't afford it they don't have the assets to trade away like it never really made sense it was like fun in theory but it's one of those Twitter trades that we do where we go yeah this guy'd be great here okay so how's that actually gonna happen yeah, you're right. I, I had no idea how that would have ever come to fruition. It was really fun to think about. But good for Kyrie yeah. still doing the Lord's work and and getting LeBron wins by doing nothing. <laughs> little by little, by little, right? Uh, all right, so we spent a lot of time talking about the Ravens and the Texans coming up this weekend. This is 
even more than Wild Card Weekend, this is probably my favorite sports weekend of the year, Trista. We just have because, like, when you get the Wild Card games, you always have like one or two stinkers, right? I mean, like. Miami didn't do anything against Kansas City. Boy, was that obvious that that was going to happen. I mean, clearly that trend just stayed right where it was. Guess what? They're not good in cold weather. Uh, but, you know, you, you now get to the point where you have teams that either earned a bye or they won a playoff game. So you hopefully, fingers crossed, get a bunch of really good games. I don't know if we're going to necessarily get, like, Bills Chiefs from 2021 where that game went to over. I mean, one of the most epic playoff games that we've ever had. Texans-Ravens aside right now, though, I – Chiefs Bills, man, like that, that's a rivalry that's just continued to grow over the years. But yet both teams right now aren't as strong as they were when we saw them in that 2021 game a couple of years ago, right? I lean Bills in this. And I I can't believe I'm saying that because the Bills have been one of the most frustrating, obnoxious teams to bet on this entire year. But the Bills are like they're trending in the right direction. They're playing what I would say is good football given the type of team they are, right? Where you have the turnovers, you have some of those mistakes, you have injuries defensively for them. But Bills minus three, I really like them in this. I think this is where it, like, this has to come to an end for Kansas City given the lack of weapons that you have at wide receiver. Like at some point, you're going to hit a wall where a team is just better than you offensively. And it feels like the Bills can stop them on that side of the ball defensively and then also keep up offensively, especially if Josh Allen's running the ball for... 70-something yards and a 52-yard touchdown run like he had last week. Yeah, I think I'm a little more cautious on that than you. I'm going to need to see the injury mm. report because the game mm. against the Steelers was brutal, right? Sam oh, Sam yeah. Martin, the punter, he ends up tearing up his hamstring. We saw him limping all around. I think they actually picked up a new punter the other day, like yesterday or the day before. You've got Christian Benford who gets hurt, cornerback. You have Taron Johnson who gets hurt. Terrell Bernard, that's a big a big piece if he can't go in the middle of the field. Balen Specter. And so that's that's just the last week in the wild card game. You have Rasul Douglas, who we don't know if he's going to play. Gabe Davis, I think he's got a foot injury or an ankle injury. Safety, Taylor mm-hmm. Rapp, he may not be able to go. So you've got that middle of the field, which is Rasheed Rice's zone, who could get busy. And as as the Chiefs are starting to find their offensive stride, basically run the ball with Pacheco, give the ball to Ty, uh, Travis Kelsey and uh, and Rasheed Rice in the middle of the field, that's kind of rinse and repeat. Maybe a little bit of Pat, Pat Mahomes running, which he did a lot of last game. I think that's the recipe. And if there's a lot of guys out for the Bills defensively, this could get ugly pretty fast. So I'm going to need to see the injury report uh, closer to the end of the week. It's crazy to think that this is Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game. First one. But, you know, he was really good on the road. He did turn the ball over a lot, right? I think eight interceptions on the road this year. But he also completed 70% of his passes. He's 38-11 and 11 on the road in his career. I know the playoffs is certainly different than what you've got going on in the regular season. But, you know, I know the Chiefs aren't where they used to be. So I, I, I do, again, I'm hesitant taking Bills minus three. Uh, but I, I do watch a team even with those injuries and say, like, they've got the they've got the ceiling that can be higher than where Kansas City is. Like, right now, when you say, if you take both teams, Bills and Chiefs, and say, all right, who has the higher ceiling? If it's like both teams play their best possible game this weekend, I take the Bills over the Chiefs because the, Chief, the, the Chiefs just, we, like, besides Rasheed Rice and, you know, Kelsey is going to be who he's going to be at this point, it just feels like the Chiefs are a shell of what they used to be for right now. The Bills just have so much 
in terms of weapons and Josh Allen by himself just carrying that team. I, you got, see, oh God, I, I, yeah, I, I still have to probably go Buffalo in this. And like, it's, it's really hard to do that given how frustrating the Bills have been this entire year. But Patrick Mahomes on the road in the playoffs hasn't been number four, lacks those weapons. I'm going to do it, Trista. I'm going to bet the Bills minus three. I've decided. I'm doing it, damn it. I'm going to this game. And I'm a little bit nervous, and that might be playing into oh, it. Oh, that's I watched, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I watched I Cincinnati in the divisional round last year. It was Joe Burrow went down the field like a hot knife do butter. They had Bills had no pass rush. And mm-hmm. Joe Burrow had all the time in the world to get the ball to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. And they were just – I mean, they were moving with ease. And the weather was bad. And that's Joe Burrow. With Patrick Mahomes going to a new level, I think I kind of have to take Chiefs plus three. Probably not taking mm-hmm. Chiefs money line, although I wouldn't be shocked. But this feels like it's going to be a close one. And and I hope I'm wrong. You know, the Bills, if they can exercise their demons and, and go to the AFC title game after beating Mahomes and Kansas City, that's storybook. But I'm a little worried. I, I mean, it's just, it's it out of all of the years these teams have played right and we felt like there was a rivalry building we have now at the point where both teams feel like skeletons of their like the mac of what they used to be and yet that's what makes this game so damn hard to predict but yeah i listen i'm not happy about it but i feel like i'm definitely leaning bills there lines to me are a team i think that just rolls i think this is this is the end for 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 the bucks the Lions just have this momentum, and I know there's no stat. There's no. It's a narrative bet, and it's a narrative feel, a narrative play, however you want to look at it. But there's just like a, a team of destiny feel, at least to get to the NFC Championship game against the 49ers through the Lions, because I think the 49ers also beat the Packers. That game could be close. Green Bay could cover that. Again, when we did Would You Rather, I said I'd rather take uh, the Texans plus 9.5 than the Packers plus 9.5. But, you know, the, the Lions just, like, there, there's something to be said about the the storybook start to the playoffs for them, right? You go in, you're at home, Ford Field, it's loud, everybody's excited. Matt Stafford and the Rams come in. Oh, we hate Matt Stafford now. He wanted out. And those stupid Rams, big Mar- LA. Oh, we hate all of them. And they go out and they win that game and get that revenge. Just feels like that's something that's going to carry through where Tampa played against probably at this point, one of the worst teams in terms of how they're playing in the NFL and the Eagles, and they're already out there apparently looking for new coordinators and stuff, though they haven't actually fired somebody like Brian Johnson, their offensive coordinator yet. But that just feels like, to me, Lions go out there and Lions roll in that game. Yeah, I agree. I think you'd go ahead, though, and maybe look for some Mike Evans props, and maybe I won't do Mm -hmm. it for the benefit of all of you guys because whenever (laughs) I bet Mike Evans – (laughs) <laughs> Whenever I bet him, he does nothing. And I realize that maybe that's me. But Mike Evans, I think, has a has a great matchup to go crazy like Puka Nakua did. And we saw what Puka was able to do early and often in that game. So I'm trying to get the odds right now of what Mike Evans is to have 100 yards. But my, my internet is going a little bit crazy. Uh, I will get it back to you. But he's a, he has a great matchup, uh, especially in a, in a dome where you know, Baker is going to be able to thrive. 
Uh, so I got it here. Okay, so Mike Evans, 100-plus receiving yards. Bet MGM, plus 230. His minus Woo! 110, or it's a 115 here. Uh, over 69.5, nice receiving yards. As uh, minus oh. 115 both ways, plus 235 to get 100-plus. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I also like, in terms of touchdowns in this game, I think we have to just continue to say to ourselves, I know that he's banged up, and I don't care. I think Sam Laporta is is the guy for the red zone. Mm -hmm. And when he's out there, especially late in the season, he's been awesome. So Jameer Gibbs, I like, and I also like Sam Laporta. I'm not sure which one I'll take. I'll probably take Sam Laporta by itself. He's just been so good. Knee issue or not, man, they really rely on him. And he they are so glad, I'm sure, that he's back. Uh, Laporta plus 125 for an anytime touchdown. If you're feeling real, real confident, uh, eight to one for the first touchdown in that game. So, yeah, Ooh, I love it. He's really come on it. Kind of one of those next good young receivers, right? Or tight ends, right? You just watch him and you go, oh, yeah, this guy is in the right offense. And yeah, even kind of playing through an injury still looks really good. You know, it's funny. You mentioned Pukunuku. Have you ever bet something, forgot you bet it, and then bet it at a different book at another price? Yes. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, yes. Good. good. It's happened to me a couple Puka? of times. Oh, yeah, I did. Thank God he went over so easily, too. I went over on receiving yards, and then it was like a day later. I, I just – I had so many bets this weekend. And then I looked again and was like, oh, man, I got – I had a Puka in, in a uh, – you know, it was in a parlay, and then I had him just on his own. And I was like, I got to bet that again. I don't. I, I always check. I go through and check everything. I don't know how I missed it. Clearly, I had way too many out there. I should be betting responsibly. I promise I did. Uh, but thankfully, he went over. So really, both hit. So it really doesn't matter. Because it's funny. Because like, you know, how you go back and have a game, and you watch it, and you go, God, I should have taken an alternate number. Oh, I should have taken so much more. I knew it would be big. I, so it kind of makes up for me not taking like 100-plus receiving yards for Puka Nakua. So you just have the twice going over. Ah, so it was good. So I felt a little bit better about it, and I'm glad I'm not the only one. I feel like everybody's had that situation happen once or twice, but at least at least it was wins because, man, you got a couple of – you hit, you bet something twice and go, oh, my God, all I did was lose twice. That's absolutely the worst thing to happen. Oh, that's definitely happening to me, and that is that's a tough pill to swallow. I tell you what, you don't even mm. know what to do. Because you didn't mean to do it. You really want to just like call someone or text someone that's at the book. And he's like, this is a mistake. Can I please return this bet? I want to return it. <laughs> like my Amazon package. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you can't even, then you can't cash out. It's like if you notice it and you're like, I'll probably cash out of one of them. I don't need it twice. Or maybe you get a different number. It's one thing if like you bet it at a different number, right? Like over 72 and a half and then 74 and a half. You start laddering or whatever. That's fine. But it's another when it's the exact same number at a similar price. It's just you being a dope and not paying attention. And by that, I mean me being a dope and not paying attention. So it is what it is. Uh, the NBA has got a lot of certainly good teams at the top. But what about some of the worst teams in the NBA? We got some numbers that will show you we have some of the worst teams in the history of the NBA. And who to fade? It's BetMGM tonight. Phil Kumpel with his own little floaters. Only misses that three, and the Grizzlies again doing a good job of holding the Spurs to one field goal attempt. John again ducks it in, sends it in. Crowd goes crazy, and why not? John Morant is with his famous crossover move. Let the conversation continue with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. 
Man, it's tough hearing a John Morant highlight. Really hope we're going to get at least see him this entire year. Didn't get that whatsoever, Trista. I, that, you know, that was kind of one of those where you, it, you felt like you had a night, like right off the bat, right? The game winner has that big game in his first game of the season. You're like, oh, Jaw's back. This is going to be great. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's out for the season. And you're like, this, this kind of just felt like it was all about basketball for him. Comes back, and you're going, okay, well, I guess the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA for the rest of the season. There is no playoff push for them. No, there there really isn't. Uh, the Gigi Jackson <laughs> emergence has been great. I think you yeah. have to just say to yourself, yeah. if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, like, we're going to develop our young guys. You know, Desmond Bain's out probably the rest of the season. People say it's six weeks, but it's not six weeks. Because as someone who's torn their ankle before, if you if you fully tear it, yeah, you you get it evaluated in six weeks, but that's a mm. that's a three month minimum situation. It's a full tear, so it's six weeks if you it's a grade one or a grade two sometimes. So Desmond Bain's out for the year. John Moran is out for the out for the year. Brandon Clark is out for the year. Stephen Adams is out for the year. Marcus Smart is out. I think two months. So what do you really have? You just play the young youngins, the Gigi Jacksons of the world, the Vince Williams Juniors of the world, and you find a way. Uh, to get them to be productive once John Morant comes back. And this is not the year to tank either. Like if you're the Grizzlies, normally it would be like, well, okay, it'd be one of those years like the, the Spurs years ago when they ended up getting Tim Duncan. I mean, maybe not to that extreme, but again, a playoff team, everybody got hurt. They luck out and get the number one pick. You and I were talking about this during the break. Like, because we'll look at mock drafts in the NBA all the time, right? You mentioned, you know, Portland, you guys have draft picks. Like, that matters to you. I've been there for years with the Knicks, and, of course, the Wizards are in that spot right now, too. I, It is a bunch of nobodies in every mock draft for the 2024. Like, that could change. Guys could emerge. There could be somebody that kind of really stands out. The 2024 NBA draft is not a strong draft. So all of these teams right now, whether it's the Grizzlies or the Pistons or the Spurs, the Hornets, you know, Portland, Washington, all of them, I mean, you fighting for Cody Williams out of Colorado? Who the hell's talking about Cody Williams right now? Doesn't mean he can't be a good player. It doesn't mean you can't get good players out of this draft. But the reality of this is that there is no Victor Webinyama in this draft that teams could at least say, well, the silver lining is maybe could get the number one overall pick. Yeah, I don't think that there's a lot of guys that people will know because there's a lot of in international guys. You got that kid, mm -hmm. Alexander Saar from France. Uh, he's supposed to be the next, like, Mitchell Robinson, I guess. You got some kid out of the G League, Matas Buzelis. Just names that people don't really know. We're going to have to see yeah. if any of these players end up turning in anything. But I was telling you at the break, I don't trust one G League Ignite guy. Jalen Green's the best out mm -hmm. of the bunch, and that's including Scoot Henderson right now. And none of them have really adapted to the NBA game and become stars. Yeah, there's another one too. How do you say Zachary Rissacher from France? I don't know. Somebody named Zachary Rissacher. I'm seeing him getting uh, mocked to the Wizards. So there you go. They'll get another international guy. I'm sure it'll turn out great for them. Well, different different people. It's going to be a fresh start. Yeah, it's just like it's one of those things. So John Hollinger actually wrote a really good article in The Athletic about like how bad the worst teams in the NBA are. And I, I don't want to tell you to cover your ears here, Trista, but it does involve the Blazers. So... There is that. There is that to deal with right now. Teams with the five worst. He calls it the forlorn five, right? The worst teams in the NBA. That's the Pistons at four, four and thirty-six, and right now they're about to be and make it four and thirty-seven. 
because uh, they just lost to Minnesota a couple minutes ago. Pistons have four wins. Spurs are seven and thirty-two. Wizards are seven and thirty-two. Hornets are eight and twenty-nine. Trailblazers are ten and twenty-nine. Before then, the Grizzlies, the Raptors, jump up to fifteen wins. You got sixteen for you know Brooklyn and Atlanta and all that. But like, it's not just bad. Like, it's horrifically bad for these two teams. Here's some of the things that he pointed out that are just like this is kind of what illustrates how bad everything is right now. So. The Pistons right now, right, they went through that losing streak where they were 2-28, and 28, 28 straight losses. There was a back, you know, they won a game, lost 28 straight, won a game again. The Spurs went 4-25 and 25 over the same stretch. The Pistons won only two games. The Wizards went 5-25. and 25. The Hornets went 6-22. and 22. And on top of that, the Spurs had a 30-game stretch where they were also 2-28. and 28. These teams aren't winning. They're covering it about anywhere from like 41 to 47%, give or take, in the entire year. So, like, Charlotte's third worst against the spread in the NBA. So, a lot of these teams aren't even putting out an effort where you can say, hey, they cover. It's just really big numbers. They're they're basically teams, like, Portland has 10 wins, but they've also got nine losses of 20 or more. And it's the same thing for, like, Detroit has four wins, but nine losses of 20 or more points. Charlotte's got eight wins, but they've lost nine games by 20 or more. So, all of these teams, if you look at it, they're not just losing games. They're getting whooped night in and night out. It is, it's like the worst basketball for a collection of teams that we've seen in the NBA in a long, long time. Yeah, I think Charlotte's all the way up to uh, second worst now at four and 23, too. So it's them. Detroit 16 and 23 against the spread. That's really bad. Portland 17 and 22 against the spread. Memphis 17 and 23. Washington 18 and 20. San Antonio 18 and 21. The only teams that are in that mix that are should not be there milwaukee bucks 16 and 23 Mm -hmm. and one and the phoenix suns at 14 25 and one and then atlanta which we know isn't good either 10 and 29. so outside of those three teams which let's be real are kind of struggling in their own right those are the forlorn five the pistons win total is all the way up i know this sounds crazy to say it's up now to 11 and a half wins Spurs are 17 and a half. Charlotte's at 22 and a half. And then you've got Washington, you know, in there. It's like some of these just feel too big for me. I don't know if I don't see how Detroit can win 12 games this year. I don't see how they go over that number. I, I struggle to find 18 wins for the Spurs. Now you thought they'd be, unless of course they make a trade. We're, we're hearing reports that maybe they're interested in DeJounte Murray. Like half the NBA is right now. They bring him in. I think that bring like, yeah, I mean, he was a better player in San Antonio under Greg Popovich than he is in Atlanta right now. They make that move. I think that's actually a great move for them. But it's tough to find, you know, 23 wins for the Hornets. You're watching teams that are – I know LaMelo Ball has missed a ton of time, so maybe that kind of elevates Charlotte just a little bit. But these teams are just so bad to watch every single night. They can't defend. They don't even cover. They blow things in the fourth quarter. They look like they don't even want to be out there. And there's a chance that the Wizards trade away Tyus Jones, Kyle Kuzma, where I would take the under 17.5 for the Wizards, which is at minus 102. Uh, you get a little better price there than minus 120 to the over. I'd probably take the under on Detroit's 11 and a half wins too. Oh, absolutely. You have to do that. I think that's that's absolutely worth a bet. How does Detroit get to 11 wins? Because they're not beating <laughs> bad teams either, right? So you look at their upcoming schedule and you say, help me find where the wins are. They play the Hornets at home on the 24th. Maybe that's one. They play the Wizards at home. Maybe that's two. But other than that, I can't find any until close to March. 
No, yeah, another one at home against the Hornets March 11th. So then we're up to seven. Yeah, I think you have to take the under on their win total. I think you kind of have to. It's mandatory, Ashu. It's mandatory. You know what's even crazier to think for these teams? I'm looking at strength of schedule the rest of the way now. Portland has the second toughest schedule the rest of the season. San Antonio has the third toughest schedule the rest of the way. Washington has the fifth toughest schedule the rest of the way. And Detroit has the sixth toughest schedule the rest of the season. And Charlotte's even in there at 10. Like These teams not only are bad, but they have some of the hardest schedules the rest of the way too. The only thing that you can hope for if you're those teams is that that's the letdown spot for the opposing team. Like that's the spot where their stars sit out because they don't take you seriously. Mm -hmm. Now that the Pistons have broken the losing streak and they're not on everybody's radar anymore, they can just be mediocre, be bad, compete for three and a half quarters and then let go of the rope. You're hoping that at least people will forget about you and overlook you and you can sneak some wins in that way. I mean, it's, I mean, Portland's on pace for either about 61. There are a couple different spots here, 61 or 62 losses, which is also crazy to think about because Portland had the fifth worst record last year, right? And they went 33 and 49. Like we have, we have the chance for like the biggest collection of just bad teams and it's all in, in, in one season. I, I think the biggest disappointment for me out of all of these teams, though, it's really the Detroit Pistons. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I look at that roster. I mean, we've mentioned it before. I see a roster that does have a bunch of good young talent. Cade Cunningham, even when he's healthy, like, it hasn't mattered for this team. I like him. I think he's a good player. I, I think they've got a lot of good young talent on this roster. Bogdanovich, I mentioned him. Like, you got guys in here where this team should be. I'd expect them to be a playoff team, but they should be on pace for, I, I don't know, 25 wins at least if you're the Pistons. Like, the fact that they're this bad and Monty Williams is one of the highest-paid coaches in the NBA, I can't imagine he lasts after this year, but then they'd have to pay him out the rest of his contract. So I don't know what they do with that. But the Pistons are the biggest disappointment for me in terms of losing teams in the NBA. You're right. Uh, Monty Williams has been awful. Monty Williams has been saying things that don't make any sense. They asked him, like, hey, are you going to play Jaden Ivey more? And he said, I didn't even really think about it. I, didn't, I haven't, thought, haven't thought that much about it. Or, you know, we got to get guys open. I guess I haven't really been thinking about spacing on the floor. Things that are very basic. Me and you know about these things. Ashley, we're not coaches, and we're not the highest paid coaches in the NBA. I have no idea if Monty Williams has just been skating by with great assistance, because this guy is seemingly brain dead out there. It just feels like there's no there's no direction, there's no blueprint, there's no effort, there's no, like, it just feels like everybody's just kind of showing up and playing pretend with the Pistons, right? Like, hey, we're a basketball team, and there's, but that's it. Like, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me at all with where they are. So, yeah, I, I'm, Monty Williams just looks like a coach right now that is so far over his head. Like, here's the thing. Your Blazers right now expected to lose games. You trade Dame. When you have a guy ask for a trade, no team that has to trade away a star ever wins that trade in the short term. They might win it long term, depending on who you draft, what type of assets you have, who you flip and get in return, and like those types of things. So Portland, for me, this is a rebuild. That's okay. Wizards, they gutted this thing. It's a new front office. They expected to lose games. Charlotte has no direction, but also didn't expect them to be a very good team. LaMelo Ball has been hurt. Doesn't really matter. San Antonio, you kind of thought, 
maybe they'd be better after getting Victor Wembanyama, but they look just as horrible as they did last year, except for he looks great, right? Like, and then you have Detroit. So, like to me, like it just there. There's certain teams where you expect it, and I know it's tough watching Portland where they are right now. But out of those five teams, I think right now Portland's got the brightest future because you can turn all of those draft picks into some really good players over the next few years. Asher, I hope so. I feel we've got <laughs> some changes they have to make. You've got Scoot Henderson who clearly can't play with Anthony Simons, but Anthony Simons is a bucket, and Scoot has to be given the ball and has to be given the reins in order to develop. So that's interesting. You've got Malcolm Brogdon, who, let's be honest, has to go. He can't be on this team yeah. anymore. We can't give him minutes. We have to get him to a contender and get some sort of assets back for him because the Robert Williams – Malcolm Brogdon trade doesn't look great right now. Let's just be real about that. You know, for the for the Drew Holiday, doesn't make great amount yeah, of sense. Yeah. You've got Shaden Sharp who's been injured and he kind of needs to be the two, but that's what Scoot Henderson has been playing. Aiton has been injured. Jeremy Grant, we don't know if he's going to be moved. There's a lot of question marks. I don't know what direction we're going to go. And does Chauncey Billups get fired? There's a lot of noise right now about whether he's the guy considering that this team simply cannot score. Are you in the camp of people already calling Scoot Henderson a bust? Because I just feel like it's way too early for anything like that. I would never. I love my man, Scoot. I do think that John <laughs> – I actually texted – I actually texted John Hollinger today after Scott sent us those forlorn five. And I said, how dare you call Scoot a bust? I haven't even read the article yet. I saw the headline. But I think that you're slandering this man on the heels of a 33-7-9 performance. And he said he also was 11 for 33. I said he's a rookie, John. Can you let him be? He came from G League Ignite. The game's a little fast for him. He's been in and out of the lineup. He just got contacts for the first time. He has sunglasses goggles. <laughs> Okay, he's not Buck Williams. We gotta give him some time to acclimate. So no, I'm never gonna call him a bust. I'm gonna give him plenty of time, and he could be an All NBA defender. I really do believe that. First off, a Buck Williams reference. I haven't heard that name in a very, very long time. So well done there. But yeah, you look Thank at you. Scoot. First off, he looks like he's built for the NBA. Like that's a guy that looks like a grown man. He came into the NBA, and you're like, he's built like a running back. But it, it, you're right, it is different. G League Ignite to this, it's not the same game. And a lot of players, too, we've seen rookies how many time and time again. They struggle shooting their rookie year. I mean, Jalen Suggs, now for his rookie year, he shot 21% from three. Now he's actually a pretty decent three-point shooter. Guys improved it. Kevin Durant barely shot 40% from the field, I think, his rookie year. It might have been actually like 39. So, like, it takes some time for players to adjust. And I think Scoot Henderson is massively talented. There's just... Kind of know it's just a roster put together with a bunch of young players. It's, just, it's gonna take them time. So yeah, I don't think he's a bust either. It's BetMGM tonight. Let the conversation continue with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Next up, ninety-six eighty-one of the Rockets, fourteen and a half point favorites. Live total there at one ninety-nine and a half. Cavs all over the Bucks minus Giannis, one thirty-one to eighty-five in that game though. So, you know, uh, nothing up at BetMGM because they said, ah, screw it. Nobody wants to bet that anyway because it's a ridiculous spread. 91-75 Pelicans over the Hornets. They're 14.5-point favorites. And the big one, uh, Lakers up 55-53 over the Mavericks at halftime. They're 2.5-point favorites. That live total at the half is 226.5 right now. 
Uh, I mean, it's just you got a bunch of blowouts again tonight, Trista. It's just I, I hate it. And do you have anything in this uh, Nets Blazers game tonight? Apparently, I just saw a rumor now the Nets are also interested, by the way, in DeJounte Murray. So now that Pascal Siakam's off the table, it feels like DeJounte Murray is going to be a guy that every team tries to trade for. Yeah, I think DeJ- I have nothing in the Nets Blazers game. I'm done betting the Blazers. Good me either. Um, but ultimately, <laughs> good. But ultimately, in terms of DeJounte to the Nets, I think that's the best fit. Really? I mean, you've got Cam Thomas, who's terrible. He's maybe one of the worst decision makers in the league. He has one of the worst assist ratios in the league. And he's undersized. So I'm not a huge fan. I think DeJounte would help them a lot. They need a a true point guard. He's not a pass-first point guard, but he can score a bit, which they need when Mikael Bridges isn't, you know, himself. Because Mikael Bridges isn't like a true 1A. So, yeah, I think that's a great fit. I think they should go after him. There's going to be a lot of suitors, though, for DeJounte. Did you see this about DeAndre Ayton tonight in that game? DeAndre Ayton's going to miss tonight's game against the Nets because sheets of ice in his neighborhood have him trapped. He tried for hours to leave the house, but the cold weather and ice was too much. I mean, you say that again? Read that again, Ashu. All right. DeAndre Ayton is going to miss the game tonight for the Blazers against the Nets because the sheets of ice in his neighborhood have him trapped. Ayton tried for hours to leave the house but the cold weather and ice was too much today, apparently. That's from uh, Casey Holdall, I think is how you say his name. And then there's a couple yes. of other accounts that uh, you know on Twitter that also have that that too. I mean, we've gotten the best slammed would be if, across the country. The best would be if uh, Chauncey Billups and uh, Joe Cronin said, we expect you in uniform tonight. <laughs> Send him a helicopter. That's the only way you're getting out. I mean, it's like, Dude, it's just been, I saw a map, I think it was like yesterday, and it was like the whole country covered in like a freeze across the board, north to south, except Florida. Florida sitting down there like 75, 80 degrees. They're just looking up at us like, ah, have fun with that up there, guys. While everything else is just freezing here all day, 15 degrees. I hate it. Can't stand the cold weather, but you're not going to have DeAndre Ayton because he can't get out of his damn neighborhood right now. Yeah, that's me. I can't get out of my neighborhood either. Well, the one thing I will say is that uh, the DMV area, which if people don't know, that would be Washington and, you know, you got Maryland, you got Virginia. They don't know how to clear snow. They don't know how to uh, protect roads from being overly icy. They just do a horrible job. It's like people from the Midwest come here and they just don't get it. They don't understand. Yes, Scott, I know District, Maryland, Virginia. I get it. Everybody knows when I say Washington, shut up. Leave me alone. I get it. But, like, it's just... They don't know what they're doing, Trista. They don't know how to clear the roads around here. At least, in, I feel like, okay, so you grew up in Portland. Are they good? Are, like, they can, can they handle snow up there? I feel like they probably can, right? We don't really get a lot of snow. I mean, we would get it maybe once every four or five years. This is okay. not a, an irregular event in Oregon, but they would bring out, you know, the snow shoveler truck things and the salt. And to, I mean, you know how little I know about snow because I don't even know the right terminology to use. All I know is that I left my house to go on a walk with Emma today and we were slipping around and I had full on traction. My mom gave me these little things to put over my shoes that had like spikes in them. And even they really? weren't great. So, yes. Were they like, uh, they're like portable like snowshoes or something? Or like ice shoes? They're like, yeah, they're metal. They're like a metal uh, mesh thing. And you 
put it over the toe of of your shoe almost like when people come to your house huh. with uh with like those those hospital covers over their shoes but I in know. metal yeah, yeah, metal yeah. form yes i gotta be honest if i again i don't know much about the climate up there i i'm surprised portland doesn't get more snow i kind of thought that would be like a yearly thing up there I think it's because it's in the valley and maybe it's warmer down mm. there. And so the cold air, you know, just goes right over top. It gets a lot of rain, a lot of rain. Well, we know that. I know there's definitely been plenty of rain over the years. That's always the joke about that happening there. But like that's, yeah, I'm I'm surprised. But yeah, I mean, everything at this point is just completely, it just feels like the whole country is just covered in snow or ice or just freezing cold and flights are getting canceled and people are panicking and you know I'm over it. I'll be honest with you. Once you hit January, that's it. I'm done. No cold. Just get me out there into some warm weather. Give me spring. If that damn stupid groundhog sees his shadow, Trista, I swear I'm going to break something because it happens every year. I don't need longer winter. I need warmer weather because I need guys like DeAndre Ayton getting the games. We don't need guys getting trapped. Can't have that happen. This is getting out of control too much. I can't stand it. But yeah, I, I I guess I learned something today. I had no idea that Portland was actually in a spot where they didn't get a lot of snow. Uh, our Magic right now also trailing the Hawks 101-99 with a minute 13 to go in the fourth quarter. Paolo Bencaro's got uh, 23 points in that. Magic's starting to fall off a little bit, T. I'm getting worried. I'm getting worried. That was one of our favorite bets, division bets, futures before the season started. We loved them last year. Knew it was a long shot. It was like 125-1 to 1 or whatever the crazy thing was when they were playing well. Uh, but this kind of felt like the year for the Magic. Starting to see a little bit of a slide from this team. Yeah, and I think they'll probably make a, a trade at the deadline. And it looks like the Hawks go up 102.99 now. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so if you look at just the standings and where they're at, I think they've been plagued a little bit with injuries. They're four and six in their last 10. So that's obviously bad. They're a great home team, 13 and five at home, but it's really when they get on the road that things get dicey. So I think a trade is in the works. You got Markel Fultz, you got Wendell Carter, who are both on the trade block because I think Markel Fultz is in an expiring contract. So I would not be surprised to see like a, a Fultz in Miami, perhaps Wendell Carter going somewhere that needs a big, maybe even like the Knicks would be a good landing spot for Wendell Carter. He's a nice big mm -hmm. backup. It feels like the magic have had like, a, I'd say three or four different players on that roster in trade rumors for like two years. And you're right. The bulls are the same way. There's these certain teams yep. that have players that are just always in trade rumors. John Collins in Atlanta. It's another name where like anybody year after year after year would just talk about oh yeah it could, it could be john collins john collins would get moved and it's like they never actually make these moves at some point yeah if you're the magic you're kind of in that spot now where the pacers are in a lot of ways right where it's okay are we going to commit to this year are we going to be a team that wants to push for you know a top six seed in the eastern conference and by top six i mean probably the six seed they're not going one or two boston by the way 20 and 0 at home this year now they just won again i mean I don't think they're going to lose wow. a single game at home. We talk about these teams. We talk about trying to find wins for these bottom five teams in the NBA. I don't know if we can find a loss for the Boston Celtics the rest of the way. Oh, and by the way, Trista, since I've got the, the Celtics on the mind here, they have one of the easiest schedules the rest of the way. They're 29th in the NBA in strength of schedule. So it's like the rich get richer and the poor are going to get poor in the NBA. All those bad teams, top 10 toughest schedules in the NBA. Boston Celtics, 31 and 9, 20 and 0 at home. 
and they're 29th in the NBA in strength of schedule right now. Yeah, and I think Jason Tatum said, like, I know that we're supposed to have an easy schedule, but you could have fooled me because they're on the road <laughs> specifically losing some games they probably shouldn't lose. But you're right. The the Boston Celtics, I don't know what their what their updated win total is right now, but if you could get that and bet it right now at even like a 58 or something like that, I don't know what it is, 60. I would not mind that. I think they're going to continue to be a regular season wagon, especially if they're healthy. Kristaps has been really good, but I still don't trust them in the playoffs, Ashu. I really don't. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like I'm, I'm getting in battles with people right now in the regular, you know, about Mike McCarthy because I made a joke on Twitter about Mike McCarthy. And, you know, they were like, I don't understand why people rip him all the time well, because he doesn't win in the playoffs. It's the same thing for the Celtics, right? I mean, you look, you can win all the regular season games you want, but at some point, like, that's not the end goal for like the, the best teams in the NBA, just like the best teams in the NFL, the best teams in any sport. You look at that and you say, okay, great. You won 60 games during the regular season in the NBA, but what'd you do in the playoffs? The Boston Celtics have got to get to that point where they have to get over the hump. Yeah, they got to the finals. Yeah, they were up 2-1 at one point on Golden State, but they blew that. We know what happened last year. Somehow they made it a series again against the Miami Heat, but they've got to be able to break through that wall and get to that next spot because at some point the team, you know, the front office is going to look around and go like, what are we doing here? If we've maximized this roster we're going to have to make a change at some point. And that's really all that matters for Boston. I mean, even though Denver won, that's all that matters for Denver now at this point, right? Like some of these younger teams like Minnesota, uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma City, winning in the regular season is kind of the next step, right? You're proving that you're a winning team. Playoffs, people expect younger teams inexperienced to have a loss or two in a series. Takes a couple of years to kind of break through that wall. Boston doesn't have that luxury anymore. You have to win an NBA title with this roster that you have constructed, or eventually it is going to get broken up. Yeah, I think Jalen Brown is probably the most likely candidate. I don't know if you saw what he had said about Ime Udoka, but it was a lot of high praise about how much belief he had in those guys and how he turned mm -hmm. them into this championship caliber team. And guess what? Now he's gone in Houston, and that's not a lot of endorsements for Joe Missoula. I would not be shocked if they were to break this thing up and, and Jalen Brown would request to go back, reunite with Ime Udoka. Yeah, and it's funny because we right we thought last year that maybe Missoula would get fired or the way the series you know the Eastern Conference Finals went, and then we thought in the offseason that Jalen Brown might get moved. So you're just kind of like kicking the can down the road that if you don't have that next jump, if things don't get better, you sit there and realize, yeah, this is the first thing that's going to happen, right? Who's the sacrificial lamb? It's always the head coach, though. Yeah, we're gonna have to see. Joe Missoula's got a lot of capital from Brad Stevens. It's almost like players, too, are sitting out there and they're dropping hints that they never wanted Ime Udoka. I, you know, I wouldn't even say that it's almost like players are out there dropping hints they never wanted Ime Udoka to go. I mean, that, that's really what it is. It seems like they respected him. That team turned things around from about January on of his last year there as the head coach where they're playing defense. They suddenly win games as opposed to, hey, the Celtics could just break this whole thing up. They could trade everybody away to the point that they get to the NBA Finals. And then the Ime Udoka stuff happens, and then this team's looking around going, Joe Mazzulla is going to be our guy. You already lost your top assistant who went over to the Jazz. And it's like, I guess this is our guy. I just, if to me, if you're going to do anything, I think Boston fires Joe Mazzulla first. If they don't win in the playoffs, obviously they've had a good regular season. Final hour coming up. It's BetMGM tonight.
We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to BetMGM to place a better three. This is BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL.